0: going to be dealing tonight with Rabbi Lawrence Kushner, who is looking at a text written by Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev, and Rebbe, the Rebbe, was known by the town that the Rebbe was teaching in, or was most associated with. So this is um, Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev, so he was known as the, the Berdichev Rebbe. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. So often uh, just referred to as... The Rebbe. The Rebbe, uh, by, his, by his folk, for sure. But the Berdichev, when we're trying to identify him among uh, Hasidic Rebbe, uh, Rebbe's who are writing. So his work is called the Kedushat Levi, and this text <coughs> is taken from the Kedushat Levi. Always, these texts draw on, of course... Uh, scripture. They're going to draw on Torah uh, and so we're going to get an episode here from the book of Exodus. So Burt Kleinman if you would please turn to page three hundred and fifteen in the women's Torah commentary Exodus chapter three verse thirteen wait maybe not yeah Um, actually go go to um, go to verse 10 on page 315 Mm -hmm. come therefore I will send you to
1: Pharaoh and you shall free my people the Israelites from Egypt
0: God speaking to Moses. Moses come therefore I will send you to Pharaoh and you shall free my people the Israelites from Egypt go on
1: but Moses said to God who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and free the Israelites from Egypt And God said, I will be with you. That shall be your sign that it was I who sent you. And when you have freed the people from Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Go on. Moses said to God, further, When I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, Continuing, thus shall you say to the Israelites, Eyeh sent me to you. And God said further to Moses, thus shall you speak to the Israelites, uh, yud heh vav the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This shall be my name forever, this my appellation for all eternity.
0: All right. This is the scene that... (coughs) Levi Yitzhak is commenting on. From this, he's going to draw our entire teaching uh, for the evening. So this is the scene between God and Moshe. God is commissioning Moshe at the burning bush. God commissions Moshe, yes. And then now, um, so Moshe has some questions about this business about being commissioned. So he says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and free the Israelites from Egypt. So this whole idea that the prophet Moshe, the one that God selects, that God knows is the one to head this mission, his answer to being commissioned is, you got the wrong guy. You've made a mistake. What? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Right? So God's made it clear. Moshe, I want you to go. You're the one for the job. And Moshe says, who who am I? to do this. All right. So so this is a a classic moment uh, in in our tradition. And it says something, according to the Hasidic tradition, this says something about the leader. Moshe as leader, that this was very much a good thing. That this is Moshe's uh, answer. That this is Moshe's position. Let's read the to Schiffer on Who Am I to Go to Pharaoh? Somebody want to begin? Page 39.
2: A who would serve God must continuously be continuously aware of the spiritual level he has attained and that there is still a higher level above this that he has not. And he knows that once he attains this level, there will be yet another higher level. Higher level. There's no end to it. No matter how high he is ascended, he understands that completion is still beyond him. He's is continuously aware of his deficiencies and his adequacy. adequacy.
0: Go on. As we read
2: about seven, even. even Elijah, I don't know you at all. And just this is the choicest kind of one of service to God that one is continually aware that he is still incomplete, And thus, he craves and yearns to ascend to yet a higher level than where he now stands. All
0: right. So, so according to Rabbi Levi Yitzhak, a tzaddik, which is what every chassid is trying to become, a tzaddik, a truly righteous person, a righteous person who would serve God must be continuously aware of the spiritual level that she or he has attained. And that there is still a higher level above that he or she has not. And one knows that once one attains this level, there will be yet another higher one. There is no end to it. So what is it critical for a tzaddik to be? At the the absolute top of the perfection rung of the ladder? Humble. 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 So humility is important. Learning, continually growing. Continually learning, continually growing. Striving. Striving, persistent.
3: Self-aware.
0: Self-aware. This is very important for the tzaddik. This is very important for the spiritual practitioner. I'm going to say, of course, for all of us who are seeking right, to be better people, that it is critical to be self-aware and to do that from a place of humility. In our Western culture, we are often self-aware, but what I hear a lot is a whole lot of judgment from people Ooh. when they're self-aware. When we become aware that we are not yet at the level that we're just becoming aware exists above us, because we don't know that level exists until we get to the next one, right? As you achieve a level, says the mystical teaching, as you achieve a level, now you become aware of the one on top of that. But not until then. Not until you've reached a certain point of growth do you know what you don't know, how much you don't know. You have to be pretty smart to know exactly how much you don't know. (laughs) Um, So we have to be self-aware says says Rabbi Levi Yitzchak but not in the way that I hear so many people in my office do it. A lot of guilt, a lot of shame a lot of self-blame, right? A lot of I'm not good enough. Um, A lot of frustration with self is what I hear in our American 2014 culture, or an obliviousness, right, a lack of self-awareness, right, just kind of reacting right and left to everything that's coming um, or achieving, you know, but not having awareness about how we impact the world, how we impact our relationships, why we might be unhappy. There's another pole too, and that is when
1: self-awareness becomes total self-absorbed, where self-awareness doesn't become from the standpoint of realizing one has somewhere, to, some other place to go, but when self-awareness becomes the whole goal and all of life, this happened a lot in the '60s. Everybody, no, everybody, so no, The whole, the whole thing. What? No, just know yourself, and then all of your everything it just gets directed to yourself and to your own whatever you are, which is the up. There was an exclusion. In in, in the awareness of self, there was
0: an exclusion of the awareness of anybody else. Yeah, but that can can happen Mm -hmm.
1: if it turns into being completely self-absorbed.
0: Yes. So navel-gazing. Yes. Which is not what what they're
1: talking about here. Which
0: Which is certainly not what they're talking about here. Right? So here, it's all about being self-aware enough with a sense of humility and a sense i would suggest even of hope right there's a there's a positive aspect here to to understanding where one is and where one isn't that that's not a bad thing that's a sign of growth that one all of a sudden understands there, there's this other thing now i want to reach for that i want to to grow into that, that that's a positive that's a hopeful thing according to Rabbi Levi Yitzchak even as it says in Tikkun Zohar and Haktama 17a even Elijah Elijah says I don't know you capital Y at all Elijah has an awareness that all of a sudden he he's aware that he doesn't know God at all he was a prophet a mouthpiece for God now like reaches a place of understanding that's like, uh (laughs) uh-oh, like, wow, like, I don't know you at all. And this is the choicest kind of service to God. That one is continually aware that one is still incomplete and thus craves and yearns to ascend to yet a higher level than where one now stands, in the West, I think so often when we think of ourselves as incomplete, we think of something missing, that somehow we've fallen short. Something, something's missing. So you know, we we look to fill that missing, empty place with all kinds of crazy things and all kinds of entertainment, infotainment, um, all kinds of now. It's right at our fingertips now right? You can stand in an elevator and check Facebook, but you don't even have to be present to the slightest bit of agitation or emptiness or awareness if one doesn't want to be. That is not the spiritual path, says the Hasidic tradition, says our mystical tradition. It's that one realizes one is incomplete and therefore yearns, yearning, is a positive. Yearning is good. Yearning may not feel so good all the time, right? Um, But yearning and craving to ascend is a wonderful, um, energetic place to be, according to the masters, according to the spiritual masters.
4: You know, just picking up what uh, was said, this is an outward focus to a... uh, whole different dimension. Instead of looking within and feeling incomplete, it's starting from being incomplete and following a path toward completion. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. All right,
0: let's look at let's look at the next part of this text. We can also explain this same dynamic, says Rabbi Levi Yitzhak, with reference to God's name of, I will be who I will be. So here in Hebrew, ehyeh, asher, ehyeh. What someone attains now is for now. Whereas God's name of, I will be who I will be, in the imperfect tense, alludes to that which can only be attained in the future. Such is the way of a tzaddik, one who is continuously aware of one's deficiencies and trusts that God will help one attain this higher level. And this is why God's name is in the future tense. I will be who I will be, implying a time yet to be, a future still to come. But in the present, completion is unattainable, only in the future.
5: What it also applies is that God is saying that He's going to change. God is not always going to be who He is now. Correct. He's going to be who He will be.
1: Correct. God is process.
5: Not thing. In a way, God is God is in process. Right, right. I'm not saying God, God is a process. God
1: God is in process. Some people say God is a process. Well, that's as opposed so to with, God is time. In time.
0: And of course, says Rebbe Levy, <laughs> it's agree, hot. I
1: don't agree with that at all. Once he has <laughs>
0: reached this level, he knows that there will be yet another and another, and that such yearning has no end, but still he trusts in
5: oh, wait, God. Amy, does, that, does that imply that, that God is also ascending various levels?
0: Uh, God forbid. <laughs> God forbid uh would say uh, God forbid um, and I think there is an implied heresy that certainly something is happening if Lady Yitzchot says God even locates God's own self as in the future as what God isn't yet and that is a very interesting place that Levi that Yitzchak doesn't go into, but I think he's left the door open for us to wander into that place and start to ask some very interesting questions that you are exactly touching on. Such as, uh, what
2: would make a God change?
0: So, this is a very, this is the very heresy, right, that I think he's flirting with. Why is
5: this a heresy?
0: Because God is perfect. Who says that? The tradition. No,
5: Abraham never said that. Abraham said God made mistakes. God forbid. <laughs> Nowhere does it
0: say Abraham said God made a mistake. Abraham says, but if you do that, you're not going to be able to live into your very definition of yourself
6: as...
5: Yeah,
0: so there you go. Very, but very different from saying you made a mistake. But <laughs> no, that's... no, it's not.
6: He's questioning then that he's not perfect.
0: So, so th- this is heresy. This is heresy. For the rabbis, that's heretical. You cannot suggest that God changes because God isn't good enough.
4: Correct.
6: Didn't we study this? That is not Hasidic.
0: That's we've not had what he's saying. We've
6: had
0: a, we've had a very similar discussion, because yes. We
6: really
0: have. Uh, but like I when else you else ask... What would cause God to change? I think what the Hasidim do understand is a God of relationship. That's what Avraham and Moshe, to an extent, really are paradigmatic examples of God as as the other, capital O, in relationship. And so in in our Torah text, God learns some things, right? So... Well, the rabbis would say, no, God doesn't learn. Of course not. That would suggest God didn't know something. That's impossible, and it's heresy. But the biblical text is pretty clear, right? Right, That God is a little disappointed. That whole flood business, right? God regretted creating humankind. So what makes God change? A lot of us would suggest the relationship with the world. The relationship with a changing world. The relationship with human beings who have free will which God set up in this crazy crazy experiment right of giving creation awareness of itself in us and then the freedom for us to choose what to do with that.
4: But is God changing or are we changing?
0: Well so I mean I think ultimately
6: who knows? <laughs> who
0: knows? But it's about what we want to posit you know about about God.
3: So isn't it sort of to that question, for Reconstructionists, if God is evolving and we are evolving, and God is part of us, then that makes sense, yes? Yes. So that's just what I'm positing?
0: So sure, sure. Heretics? Yeah, right, (laughs) totally, we're totally heretics in this room, let's be clear, let us be very clear, we are heretics in this room. Hundred percent, hundred through and through, um, in the most respectful way. We are right speaking on some level, heresy.
1: But we're we're also to some extent creatures of the platonic world, where we look at we look at things, we look at existence as if it is static, and uh, that was not the biblical. That was not the biblical idea. And a lot of Judaism became. I mean, the whole argument—you I mean, know—does God have a size? Does God do this? Where is God? Is God here? Is God there? Very much is a Platonic kind of a question. But what they're dealing with, dealing with here, is to me again, this is God is, in a sense, a process. God is the unfolding of the universe. Now, does the universe change? Yeah. Yes. Does God change? I don't know, but in any re- but you're talking about relationship. It's the same thing. Relationship works over time. So we're used to saying, "Okay, what is this today? This is this, and this is this, and, and this is saying, no, 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 no. God is motion. God is evolution, not physical evolution. It's
6: an inevitable. You know, time. It's
1: and it's it's tough for us because we we've got two thousand years of a different kind of thought.
4: If, if um, Go back to the first of the Ten Commandments and the first three words I know the I don't know, I know <laughs> that is one it's just one One. all the rest of this including us are just fractals within the total so the relationship comes that holds regardless how you play with the God thought
0: mm-hmm. I Yeah. Uh...
4: Mm-hmm. Why must um, why must God be perfect? It, I understand why it's more comfortable to feel that, but why is that a precondition? For us, it, it's
0: not. For the rabbis, it was. Us meaning we in this room. Oh, okay. But for the rabbis, capital R meaning Rabbi Levi Yitzchak, it, it it was a precondition. God is all powerful, all knowing, and all good. And why does why, why? like why does why yeah what does that
4: what does that enable by having that
0: um. That's an interesting question, why we hold the philosophies we do. Just to strive um, for perfection? I mean, they wanted you to strive for perfection, and that was supposed to be perfect? I don't know. I, I mean, why? It was, it was I'm, I'm, I'm not sure why <clears throat> is a question we can answer for people who develop you know, this God concept. Why do we as Reconstructionists? have the vision we do, you know, and why are we more comfortable with with our understanding of God? You'd have to look at all of the societal factors, you'd have to look at all of the history leading up to 2014 America, you know, and our experience here. (coughs) You'd have to look at the influences on Kaplan, you'd have to look at the influences on them, you know, like, there's, it's such a huge question and having studied cultural anthropology, like, we were steered away from the question, why? Who knows? Like, you know, it would take us a long time to answer that I mean it, it was it was the way people understood the deity um, in 3000 and that was already an evolution out of some other things right how, how our ancestors understood if they and I'm not saying that our early biblical ancestors understood God is perfect I'm not, I'm not clear that they did but definitely there is a philosophy that develops partly in, in response to some of um, the platonic and Aristotelian ideas that God is thought-thinking itself, right? That God is, that there can't be a change in God because that would imply somehow that God is less than perfect and we can't have that God forbid. So, I mean, that's kind of a philosophical system that the early rabbis are exposed to and, and buy into. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure it's biblical. Um, <laughs> that but that's, that's the system that Rabbi Levi Yitzchak certainly comes out of. Now, that's not to say that he doesn't locate the sitra akhra, you know, the other side. We might even say evil, capital E, as being, interestingly, a part of this whole business. But that doesn't make it imperfect either.
1: I, th- I think that the all-powerful is more difficult than the perfect in terms of concept, because when you look at all-powerful, I mean, you get to the question of evil. You get to the question, mean, here we are on the news this week. I, I saw in the news today, we have a mudslide. You know, where, where's did God cause that? You know, we've got a plane evidently that went down.
4: Might go back the, to the
1: board. Well, I mean, if if God is all powerful, I mean this this is the eternal problem. If God is all powerful, then you got to say, well, God caused these things, and if God caused these things, why? How could that be a God that we worship? Well,
0: all right, so let's go to page forty-three problem. of that your text. What
5: drove all these people away during? The
6: whole yeah. Yeah. yeah oh no
0: that's right yeah, it's not, exactly but, that that's sure.
6: exactly right yeah, and it's not, not
1: just the, it's not just the holocaust it's seeing evil everywhere Sure. Right. see horrible things happen to people like
0: yeah. you say.
5: Well, Harold Kushner wrote books about
0: the, yeah, he did. why the bad things happen Schulweiss did as well really beautiful works right responding to this whole question um, so let's look at 43 I want to stay with the quote we have on the board page 43, the middle of that first paragraph, after the parentheses. Somebody read at Ehyeh means.
3: Ehyeh means in effect, I will be, and alludes to an unfinished future and what might only be attained then. Indeed, a cumbersome but accurate translation of Ehyeh Asher Ehyeh Ehyeh, would be I am not yet who I am not yet. Which means, therefore, that if God is not done yet, then neither are we.
0: What an amazing way to say this. I am not yet what I am not yet. <laughs> right? <laughs> a yeah implies there's a not yet. And I'm not that yet. Because we're not there yet. <laughs> right? Um, which is a little different than saying change exactly. It seems That God doesn't come into what's going to be God next until next happens, until next is.
2: There's also a little bit of a distinction between I am not yet what I will be. There's a fine line there. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yeah, I will be what that which I will be.
5: Yeah, but there's also this concept that God exists outside of time, and yet time is a strong element in the statement. Both ways it's
0: put. That's right. Uh, That's right. So for for the rabbis, I don't know what outside of time means to them. Well,
5: the eternal is you know sitting there.
0: But that doesn't for them suggest, I don't think, outside of time so much as it suggests present through all time.
6: Wow. <laughs> think, I'm not sure, but I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know that I can. I don't know what I said. Um,
6: but but I, thank God.
0: It's being taped, so I'll I okay, can hear later. But I really, I think there is something there. But, and this goes back to, I think, the question of relationship. You know, that, that God is present through all of our time and then... I would say we could feel comfortable knowing that they would suggest and beyond that. Right. But present in it fully as well. Mickey? no. Arthur Green's writing, talks of God as
2: that which is like a state of being. And he up around it. Say it again? Arthur Green in his writing, God as a state of being. Uh-huh. A little more than a state of being, but that that which is, <coughs> that which was, which will
0: be. So playing on vav Vodhe. Right. <laughs> right. So vav Vodhe is, is that idea of um, wasness, isness, will-be-ness. Um, here Rabbi Levi Yitzhak is focusing on God's answer to Moshe. Right? When when Moshe says who, who am I supposed to tell them sent me? Because in the ancient world, you've got to know which God you're working for. You, like that, that's a huge part of knowing your identity in the world, knowing what's asked of you, knowing you know, what you're supposed to do, is knowing which God you're serving. And so God seems to suggest to Moshe you're asking an Egyptian question. You're asking a question out of the context in which you've been raised. You're asking the wrong question. And so God gives Moshe a correction about what the question should be. So, that which I am not yet sent you. Okay, now now it's so much clearer. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, but what, what Larry Kushner is taking from, from this and what Lady Yitzhak is coming to bring it to say, which I think is glorious, is that if God is not done yet, who are you human being to think that you are? God doesn't have an ego problem. God can clearly say with no hesitation, I am not yet what I'm gonna be. I'm still becoming. So what's the problem with y'all? <laughs> right? Like, why do you get so caught up and you need to know it all and you need to have it all and you need to, like, be all about it and, like, there, you know, there's no no room left for growth. Really?
3: So I'm just wondering out loud. So is this phrase something that could help creationists understand or get to evolution?
0: I don't think they want to.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, sure. I mean, we have no problem with evolution because we can totally point to verses like that, right? Human beings are not yet what human beings will be, right? Because we're not done yet. Um, And so, of course, that means if God is the unfolding of the universe, then that's not done yet either. Um, But but creationists have way more vested in that discussion than I believe, than, than getting at truth, whatever that means. Um, All right, so for lots of other reasons. It's not about science. They have another agenda, right? They have to locate it in this text because that text allows them to control lots of other things. All right, so indeed, in that next paragraph, at the end of that next paragraph, indeed, if the name of your God is I am not yet who I am not yet, then you too get to keep learning and striving and growing. So Arnold Jacob Wolfe of blessed memory was a teacher of uh, Rabbi Kushner, and he says he would mischievously complain that his problem was not that God was silent. My problem, he would insist, is that God won't shut up.
6: <laughs>
0: now what do you want? <laughs> Leave me alone. I did that mitzvah last week. What do you mean you want it again and better? <laughs> right? So being called, into, being called into process, being called into becoming, being called into growing means, A, having humility to admit I don't know it all. I don't have all the answers. But, but more importantly, I'm not supposed to if I'm going to truly be a reflection of the divine. Because the divine itself is still changing, growing, expanding, becoming. I don't know. Whatever words, crazy words we want to use about that. I think that is a much different orientation um, than we tend to have in the West. do you think? Yes.
4: But it's also a fantastic framework for spiritual growth.
0: Hundred percent. I agree completely. because. Because it respects not knowing. And even more than that, it respects admitting that we don't know and what we don't know. It isn't just like you're supposed to say, oh, I don't know. All right? It's about, OK, I'm here. Wow. And what I realize I don't know is that. And then you reach for that.
4: It inspires.
0: It inspires. Exactly. Thank you. It encourages. It inspires us. to. And the other thing I love is that it inspires us to yearn. We hate yearning. We hate longing because we're convinced by our culture that there's a product that can stop that from happening. Or a pill. Uh, or a pill, right? Like, you know, if you're yearning, no problem. Here's the Lexus 2015. The new models are just coming onto the showroom floors, right? There's something that can can assuage that yearning and that longing um, because we get really nudgy with that because we're taught that's a symbol, a sign, a recognition that something's off, something's bad, something's wrong, something's missing. And we gotta we gotta get it.
4: But here's the other side of it. <coughs> People don't like change. People become comfortable in mm-hmm. wherever. And this inspires <coughs> the willingness to change. I think you know it's kind of a counter force to people hate change. <coughs> you know, unless you're getting a new car and
6: <laughs> it's even not like just our willingness political
3: leaders to change when people change their mind and say, "Oh, mm-hmm. I thought that at that time, but actually mm-hmm. everybody hates that. I
0: mean, I think cuz like what does it suggest? What does our culture say that suggests they wishy-washy. The They're wishy-washy what? Yeah, wrong. They're that I was wrong. Yeah. That, that, yeah,
5: we were
3: wrong
0: to, to, to vote for them. <laughs> 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 that we were wrong to vote for them because we thought they knew the answers and now it's clear they've changed their mind. It means they didn't know.
3: I mean, I've always liked the person who they say, oh, you're a flip-flopper. I think, oh, that's so good because they acknowledged, you know, I thought that, but I'm open to learning more. Right. But well, even in our, in our culture, we don't even like that. We don't want our leaders no, to change
5: the we vote for them as standing for one thing and then when they change that... We say, that means that (laughs) they have made a judgment on us. They're telling us that we were wrong.
0: So somehow leaders reflect their followers. Well, no, we elected them for a reason. That's right. That's my point. So the leader reflects what the opinion of the voter was. So if they change, they're saying something about the voter being wrong. Yeah. Okay.
1: Many years ago, I took a holiday workshop here. It was very... Interesting, it was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Anyhow, the question came up because it was teaching you how to do the holidays and this and that, and somebody asked the teacher, well, you know, I don't keep kosher, I don't know if I'll ever, you know, what do I do if someone says to keep kosher? She said the most important thing is to have an attitude of not yet. (laughs) Not to say no, but to say not yet. And this is, that doesn't mean you will do it, but it implies an openness and a possibility of doing it. And to some extent also, not that, but you were talking before about uh, people being scared of change. They're also scared of obligation to change. And part of what this is about is also an obligation. And that really scares people. It's not just changing. It's realizing that you have an obligation to grow.
6: And also this inertia is Mark was talking about, part of the reason that keeps people in inertia, I think, and makes them fear risk and growth that might be uncomfortable and change, is that this whole judgmental framework about that meant you weren't perfect. You have to make a change, and you want to avoid this kind of heavy judgment, which was inappropriate to begin with, because if God needs to change, <laughs> but at we the same time, you know, change we is inevitable.
5: Change happens all the time, and we can't stop it. And this says there's nothing wrong with that. That's right. right.
4: It says embrace it.
0: That's right. And that it is not a sign that, you know, and and, and yes, it means you weren't perfect. Duh. Right? Because as long as we're human, says our tradition, which is which is why I love this tradition, is because it says, no, nobody is. As long as you're human, that's not going to happen. And we have these delusions, right, in the West about perfection, that is just crazy that we're pursuing at such a rate right now that I get really scared for our girls, right? They're supposed to – I mean, these images of perfection that they see, you know, that are also not even real. They're not airbrushed, real. right, and yeah. and Photoshopped. And, like, you see – I just am very concerned about the, the way people are getting a message from the media that – perfection is something that's A, possible, B, it's something to strive for, <clears throat> and it's in these really crazy, crazy ways. Mickey?
2: Our, our whole lives are changed. We start off as a baby, mm-hmm. a toddler, a yeah. little boy, a yeah, little sure. girl, and a teenager, right?
6: and
4: then go college, <laughs> <laughs> and,
2: and, and, <laughs> and by the time we're, we're adults, whatever that is. <laughs> Of Sometimes we we very often, we carry part of our childhood <laughs> with us because we don't want to change, but we do change.
0: So I think part of, part of an important distinction is change that happens to us and change that we affect. And he's focused largely right now on change that we initiate, change that we affect. This is not something that happens to us. We may change and grow in response to things, certainly. But he's talking about the person who is on the path of doing the work, of identifying, where am I? Really honestly assessing. I, I say I'm this, am I really? Is that really who I wanna be, right? And then to identify from that place. So so what's, what's that that I'm now reaching for and <clears throat> wanting? To achieve um, spiritually, but, you know, my character, my practice, my my way of being in the world, my way of thinking and responding. Where am I? Where am I wanting next to grow? And that is intentional change.
4: With the understanding, you're never going to get.
0: With the understanding. Well. Which is hugely important, that you're never going to get there. But there's
1: not a there, because the there keeps on moving. I know. That's the point. Which is different, by the way, from some of the other big uh, important religious traditions. You know, if you look at uh, nirvana in Buddhism, which is a state you get to, or salvation in Christianity, which is a state that you get to. In Judaism, I guess there's no...
4: There,
1: there. There's no well. It's it's a continual getting closer, so drawing closer. So
3: we strive for
0: progress. Not Correct. Perfect. Correct. So there's a. Because it can't be a thing. Rabbi Kushner has a beautiful Rabbi Other Kushner. Yes. Um, Rabbi Harold Kushner has a beautiful explanation of the whole story of Eden, where he says, "All right, you have a God who creates this universe. It's perfect. It's good. It's wonderful. And then." God puts these creatures who have consciousness right, and free will big pop. on the planet. Okay, that's fine. And then says, here's a big old tree. <laughs> and you can eat whatever you want. But see this big old tree in Not the big. middle of the garden? Mm-hmm. Don't. And the minute don't is uttered, Harold Kushner says it's a setup. (laughs) All God had to do if God wanted perfection is not say don't. Then there's nothing to mess up.
3: (laughs) Or leave
0: the tree out. Or leave the tree (laughs) out. Why do really right in the smack in the middle of the garden? Really? Really? And so Kushner's brilliant conclusion is God is not interested in perfection. That is not a Jewish idea. That is another bunch of traditions maybe it is not ours god is not interested in perfection or god wouldn't have put the tree there and god certainly would not have said don't god is interested in human goodness and human goodness is about choice and if there isn't the choice to do bad the choice to do good is completely meaningless and god wants goodness more than god wants perfection
3: because we're not making the choice if if there's nothing,
0: that's right that's exactly right we're automatons like the angels
7: (laughs) well I was just thinking because I've always wondered about that if you don't eat the apple from the tree then you are in perfection you're not in a state of change you're not in self-awareness if you eat the apple from the tree suddenly you have a problem right because you have to make make a choice
0: suddenly you're human
1: right
7: yeah but there's that, right, 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 right.
0: Yes. Now you know right. the difference the between setup, good and evil. That doesn't come until you eat.
7: And then you yeah. have that awful craving feeling. Hopefully, it's not poison. <laughs> but I
6: love the fact that every year on Yom Kippur we can try again and
0: try to be our better selves because we've all because we all it's have, about improving. It's I training. love that. Right. I mean, I never. You know, and no. I think it's one of the most I don't know if it makes us
6: very different from other religions. It's
0: so profound. It's so profound. It's that we're not perfect and that every year, but that's not an excuse either not to be better. Try better. Right? So that's what Yom Kippur comes to say. Okay, here are all the ways we're not perfect. Right? Right?
6: Right. Right. Be spiritually liberal. Say that, I, again? Just, say that again. We'd be
1: spiritually lobotomized. In Before. other words, yeah, you don't
0: do anything. Oh, yeah. But you don't make choices either. Right. That's the well, point. That you know, gets to the I, issue of can I, animals I so. be moral? Oh, my well, dog. <laughs> oh, my dog. <laughs> oh, my dog. <laughs> the answer is no. Not
4: dirty, not dirty, not a, red.
5: Red. The answer
0: is no. Animals are, no, they cannot be moral because they can't be immoral.
5: Well, see, that's also God. God allows all this evil because God is not moral. God is beyond
0: morality. God is outside of mm-hmm. morality. Or, is or just.
6: Right so if,
5: just.
0: if you're Rabbi Rami Shapiro, you say God is all of it, right? right? If you're Rabbi Harold Schulweiss, you argue to Rabbi Rami Shapiro, God is in what is good, what is right, what is true, what is fair, what is just. That is godliness. And it's godliness we're interested in, not God. But who's in it's the predicate rest? theology. Who's in
5: the rest then? Is that
0: implies Satan? Who's what? Who's in the rest then? Lucifer. It isn't a who. It's it's what's not godly. Uh, no. It's a predicate theology that predicates about God that which is good and right and fair and ethical and moral and just. Rabbi Rami Shapiro says you don't get to pick. The ocean is a lovely place and you can swim in it and eat good things from it and it will kill you. You don't. You don't get to pick. God is all of it, capital A, capital I, all of it.
6: Which do you believe, Amy? <laughs> uh,
0: on any given day, <laughs> that those those are the two I move between. Honestly, um, some days only Rabbi Shapiro's interpretation can Makes come sense. Cl- make sense and come close. I just have to understand that God is reality, capital R, with all that that entails, um, because then it's big enough that I can kind of hold my awareness of suffering and just other things that are really hard to hold. Um, Other days, I'm with Schulweiss that says, you know what, who cares? I don't care what causes, I I don't care. I want to be about increasing godliness in myself and my behavior in my relationships and in this world. And that's all I really need to worry about is how do I contribute today, right, to a world that has more godliness in it. Um, and godliness is those things that I just said all oh, the good, the right, the true, the fair, the compassionate, the empathetic, the healing, and, and that that's what I really need to focus on. It is what it is. And
4: so if you have a relationship with this power, then that's the motivation to move your behavior in the direction you just described. There has to be some mechanism that moves you from being static. To engaging in a, in a spiritual path.
0: So that's an interesting question. What is the impetus? Yearning.
4: Well, you, yeah.
0: Yearning, who said it? Me. Right. Yearning. So part of the question I have about today and about our society today is where are we encouraging yearning? Where, where's the impetus for yearning? I, I, I don't know that my kid is ever in a place where she understands yearning they're always and I'm not trying to put it on this generation I'm just saying life is changing really quickly scientists, social scientists are talking about how quickly our brains and everything else and our ways of interacting are changing given these devices that, that you know, the change is happening so much faster than we can even comprehend what that's going to implicate I mean what that's going to mean I guess
6: it's also trying to find meaning getting meaning to this life
0: Okay, getting to your yearning, yeah, someone we can phone, either... Someone's phone rings. right on perfect. cue. It's perfect.
1: We're uh, getting to the yearning. Okay, so what are the options? One can wait to feel yearnful, as it were, and hope it comes about somehow. Uh, one can decide, for whatever reason, to do that. Or there can also be education. And I think part of the function of organized as well as disorganized religion in the Jewish tradition has been to teach and to to foster those kinds of feelings. I mean what we're doing here tonight, this kind of discussion. Okay? I mean, a lot of this happens because we come from a tradition where people were teaching people to ask these questions and teaching people to think about these things and not just sitting and waiting for gee, when am I going to start to yearn for something?
6: So expecting questions spiritual and, spiritual and expecting uh, learning practice. instead of frowning upon the questioning.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, questioning uh, as one of the, the ways. Right. But part of it is also yeah. social and family teaching. I mean, have to so, so, my so social and I guess family teaching. Part of my question is the, what fosters a desire for spiritual growth?
6: I think, I agree with Bert. I mean, I think it's the home environment, and I mean, I was thinking about how my son mm-hmm. was raised at what point he wanted to be a rabbi, and I think it's the, the, the way they're raised at home, and also the shul can have a really profound effect on certain kids. Mm-hmm. And it's really society. Yeah. temperament as well.
4: It also has a lot to do with who you come in contact on the journey.
6: Mm-hmm. Yes. Why are they
4: bow-chewers? What about all those people that met, you know, Carl back along the way? hmm Like in the 60s and the
6: Which
0: is why I tell all of our B'nai for students, no, you're not going to be an adult tomorrow. I'm not going to become a Jewish adult. No, you don't. No, you don't. you don't. You don't get to drive. You don't get to order a beer with lunch. You don't get to yeah. vote. Sorry. No, you're not going to be an adult. So why do we still bother doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, I said, because... Right now, really, seriously, the choices you make about who you're going to companion with on the journey, who you're drawn to, who you stay away from, what you read, what you don't read, you know, what you pursue, what you don't pursue, starts now to define what kind of an adult you become. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, just, I'm not seeing a lot of places that, are, that we are being exposed to a fostering of longing and yearning to, to grow, we're, you know we're taught to buy
3: <laughs> but we used to but not too long the put a few dollars down a few dollars down <laughs> and nervous. then you got it eventually and i remember doing that and i thought that when they got rid of layaway it was a terrible thing Layaway. For society because <laughs> it was fantastic because well in the 50s when i was growing up you you, put, you saved three dollars and five and mm-hmm. in three months you got the prize but you spent that whole time yearning and we're Longing, and I thought it was great. I mean, I, I
5: don't. Yeah. Well, now they're signing an
3: installment. Now you, but now you buy it now. <laughs> right away. No, now you get it right
5: you get it away. Right away. You it you know, you know. is. It's just you're paying for it, it after. It 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 for for. It. That's,
6: That's what I'm right. You don't have yeah. to.
0: No you interest. don't get to wait for it. Exactly. All right. By the time you finish paying for it, you're already with it. Let's go to. And it doesn't fit anymore. It's a great question. Radical idea. Let's go to Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Berdichev.
6: Yes. <laughs> Page
0: forty-three. One more step. Somebody read it. One more step.
6: For his third
7: observation, Levi Yitzhak turns to a frequently cited teaching in the name of the Baal Shem Tov, the Besht, is that I mm-hmm. used to pun on an odd term in Psalm forty-eight, fifteen, al mut, usually rendered as either until death, al mavet, mm-hmm. or worlds or evermore, olamot. Thus he will be our guide unto death, or he guides worlds. The best, however, following Rashi, deliberately misreads the phrase as he guides all mut, I, children, slash, all mut, slash children. Go on. Oh. It is like a parent, Levi Yitzhak explains, who wants to teach his child how to walk. No sooner does the little one take a few steps towards his mother or father than the parent intuitively steps back, thereby urging the child to take yet another step. And once the child takes a few more steps, the parent moves still farther away. And why? All in order that the child might walk even
0: more. Lovely. Lovely. All right. So he turns, the Levi Yitzchak turns to... A proof text, he's just told us all this that God wants that God we're supposed to be longing and becoming and growing and and then he turns to this obscure verse. This is where they are just so gorgeously brilliant that they know the scripture backwards and forwards and they treat it like kids do building blocks and they rearrange verses of scripture to make something completely brand new. So Rabbi Levi Yitzchak, after talking about "Eya Asher yeah that God is still becoming, so of course we human beings must Homer be be all the more so be becoming. Where else do we see this idea explicated? Well, of course, in Psalms forty-eight, fifteen, where it says that that God, um, uh, that God will be our guide. And then it's a play on the Hebrew. Al-mot, God will be our guide until death. Or Olam-mot, God will be the guide of all worlds or forevers. Talking about eternality, right? Olam, eternally. Ad Olam. So... But Rashi, the best just playing with Rashi's interpretation. Rashi reads it deliberately, knowing it's not supposed to be that way, but reading it for a deeper meaning, which is God guides Al Mut children. Brilliant. Why? says Lebech, because what because what do parents do? What does it mean God is guiding like you know, like we're children? And he says, Well, it's what we just talked about. What do you want a toddler to walk? You don't take their hand and drag them across the floor, right? You encourage them. You encourage and you say, come, come, come. And what does the child experience? Yearning. Yearning. Longing for the beloved. Longing to connect. Longing to get closer. So the child walks. And then, right, as soon as the child starts to come close, a loving, patient parent moves back and says, come on, come, come to mommy and encourages more yearning, more longing and as the child gets closer, moves back even further. Why, says Lady Yitzhak, so the child will walk and walk and walk more. This is so different from an understanding of spirit, achieving spiritual growth and development as as the mystical union that we so often hear of, right? That, you know, you become one with God. And so there's this feeling of absolute and utter completion and, um, being fully And which we do every Friday, like, right. We do mindfulness practice and, you know, there is this amazing feeling in meditation of being completely at peace and able to hold whatever is and this union that is amazing, big mind and expanded consciousness, and that is a wonderful thing, but Hasidism's gonna is going to catch it and say that's not ultimately how we grow. Ultimately how we grow is that we long, is that we yearn, and God backs up. Rather than coming this way, right. the loving God pulls back and gets further away, if you will, so that we'll come close, close and that we will grow and that we will learn to walk. Can I ask you it's a question? Is this owl moot, lim- that a a word problem. for children,
4: different, it is, that's what it means, the same owl moot that's above?
0: Um, I think, I'm pretty sure it's moot that they're playing with.
4: Moot meaning? Children. Moot meaning. I don't
0: know this word. So I would have to go to the etymological dictionary to find out what, which part. But my guess is the al is the is pointing to moot. God guides, and that's your indirect object. And that
4: could be
0: Like et or al. Right. 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 All right. So did I see a hand, Margot? Yes, you did. <laughs> Talk to me. Isn't that surprising? I, I know. Oh, I'm shocked.
6: Through this whole uh, discussion, I keep thinking of this... Um, Uh, he's 50 years old now my son, Garrett and when he was
1: about 10 he wanted his 10 speed bike and he got the 5 speed bike, he got the bike and he said to me at that time the wanting it is so much better than the getting it and to me it just kind of fits right in with this discussion
0: and it
1: makes is me... a
0: powerful thing. Yeah. It is a powerful, powerful thing.
4: But in this teaching, we
7: never did. You never
0: get. The you never get the bike. <laughs> Sorry, hate <laughs> 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 hey, to
7: tell you, in RTT, in our tradition, you never get the bike. No, that's not true. In this <laughs> no,
5: teaching, <laughs> you get the ten-speed bike. But then you learn there's a 15. <laughs> <laughs>
7: yeah,
0: right. <laughs> right. Right. That's true. That's true. You attain the 10-speed bike, and then you realize there's a better bike. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. That's right. You,
5: know, you, you always wanted Forget a the sports want car. You get it, and you realize, <laughs> hey, you know, maybe I like the Jag
0: better. Uh, <laughs> exactly. It, just, it seems to me that we talk about yeah, right. spirituality of this, but I'm so seeing it as very mathematical. It's a limit problem. You, approach, you can approach the limit but never achieve it. Okay.
1: That's
0: one. I suppose to but math people that math. makes did that make sense to the math people? <laughs> yeah. Did that speak <laughs> to math? Oh, somebody agreed. Yeah. But I think <laughs> these, I have no idea. What this is
1: saying is, it's. about... I was an English the,
0: major, an anthropology major. I
6: was <laughs> <laughs> <It's> a geography <laughs> major. Got about eight and
1: to me? Uh-huh. What was that
6: first?
1: To me, I read eight, this as eight. the important thing is the journey, not the destination.
3: Right. And that's what limits and are about. It's the, about. the, it's the, it's the, the process, as you say, of
1: approaching. You would say in religious terms of approaching God and that you can never reach it, but it's, it's, it's they say it's the journey, not the destination. Right. And too many times we get hung up on the destination. And we say, well, if I only had X, everything would be okay. Mm-hmm. Or if I only moved to such and such a city, everything would be okay. Or if I only had such and
0: such a relationship or such and such a wife. I was, it was only was senior rabbi. Awesome. Right, right, it would all be fine.
6: Um, so speaking of which,
0: let's look at the bottom of page 43. This teaching I desperately needed in my life right now. So I was very happy that this is what I was to prepare for tonight somebody read at the bottom our self-dissatisfaction our self-dissatisfaction our stumbling our failures our fear that we are inadequate to or unworthy of the holy task in other words are nothing more than god's loving ever being one more step just beyond reach and it never ends so wow that that is a powerful teaching Yes. Yes. Our stumbling, our failures, our fear that we are inadequate to the task are nothing more than God's loving ever being one more step just beyond reach. That's all it is, is that we are being coaxed into taking that next scary step. Where the child is sure they're going to fall and crack their head open. Like in the beginning when Moses was called to. It's it's not that, not wait, you got that the, you. the wrong person. Right? It's not it's not me. I, right, right? Or, or, or Noah. No. Um, <laughs> right, so go on to the next page. Somebody read there.
3: Rabbi Aiden Steinsaltz, arguably
6: the wisest Jew of this generation, echoes the same theme. He reminds us. Jewish thought pays little attention to inner tranquility and peace of mind.
3: The very concept of the divine as infinite implies an activity that is endless, of which one must never grow weary. Indeed,
6: Steinsaltz continues, the Jewish approach to life considers the man who has stopped going on, who has a feeling of completion, of peace,
3: of a great light from above that has brought him to rest, to be someone who has lost his way
6: it's right. wonderful. <laughs> Is that wonderful? Yeah.
0: It's so wonderful that we understand, truly understand and admire as wise, right, the one who's continuing to understand the ways that they need to grow, the ways that they're not there yet, the, the ways that they're still reaching, the ways that they're still studying.
6: Like these classes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. These classes do that. It's like, whoa. <laughs> So you, I don't know
4: anything. One of Bob Doan, <laughs> great lines. You know, he was not busy being born. Busy dying.
0: Right? Wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah. All right. So now Levi um, Yitzchak, as Rabbi Kushner points out, returns to the textual lesuna where Moses asks his original question. Mi anochi? Who am I to go to Pharaoh. And God cryptically repri- reprise, replies okay. okay. this shall be for you the sign without apparently specifying the sign. So let's go back to what Bert read earlier. And Moshe says, "What? I, who am I to go to Pharaoh? And God says, and this shall be the sign that I sent you. And then we never get the sign. And then God goes into this, hey, yeah, I share, hey, yeah, blah, 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 blah business. And so Rabbi Kushner points out earlier, we didn't read it, you'll read it at home. In the first paragraph of this, he says, oh, there's a little problem. We don't get the sign. What's that? And so he answers it here, which is really a beautiful reading. He says, God does give Moses a sign, says the Chever. And it has been right there in plain sight all along. We just didn't notice it. From his native humility, Moses cannot imagine he is worthy of such a holy task. This is why he says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? But precisely this fear of inadequacy is the source of his true spiritual authority. It is not an expression of unworthiness. It is a necessary qualification and precondition for the job of any would-be Jewish leader. You fear your fear that you are unworthy makes you worthy. God, in effect, says to Moses, Dummy, you're asking, who am I? It's the sign that I've sent you. So this this mean, am- anyone who wants the job is immediately therefore disqualified. <laughs> If you want the job, you are not qualified. Like running for president. Like running for president. (laughs) If you are not convinced that you are inadequate to the task or not seriously concerned that you might be, you have no business having your finger on the button. You have no business controlling that many lives, right, and the destiny of a great nation. Um, If one isn't, as a Jewish leader, right, terrified that they are not up to the task, they're not qualified for the task, um, and that, that this, in fact. So, next time you read this portion of Exodus, right, you're going to remember that you know God says, and, I, and this is the sign that you are. Where is it? Meaning, as soon as Moshe says, "I need my glasses." As soon as Moshe says, "Mi anochi, who am I to go?" Basically, what what Rabbi Levi Yitzak is saying is, God turns to the Moshe and says. That's That's the sign. Here's your sign. Here's your sign. Dummy. You dummy. You you wanted a sign. You you just said it. You just showed me your qualification. There's your proof that you're the one for the job. Because you says you say mi anochi. Who am I to do this?
1: But there is a line between humility and self deprecation.
0: Yes. Yes. And
1: what they're talking about here is healthy humility.
3: Yes. Right. He's not. not saying, oh, I'm a complete loser. Right. I can never right. do it's this. Not. He's saying, who am I to do this? Yeah. He's saying there are others, that, there must be others that are more but, qualified
0: yeah. than I. Yes. Right? Yes.
7: Well, it must be sort of a terrifying thing to be asked to do this, too. No kidding. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, hopefully. Right? So, hopefully, because if not, if you're the there's right something seriously right wrong. Right
6: with
5: that. Way you're to if you're not
6: afraid, you missing something. That's the
0: you're what? You're going and
5: you start talking to Pharaoh that way, you're that's likely to come out on a pallet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right.
4: So, do you agree with this comment? Jews both pay little attention to my tranquility and peace of mind because yeah. that's inconsistent yeah. with. I mean, that's a statement to make here, but is that consistent with like the broader Jewish tradition?
0: I think it is. I think it is. I think people
4: can gravitate to religion because they want peace of mind. I know. Anti religion.
0: This is, this is religion. yeah. This
6: is the anti comfortable
0: religion. So um, I
6: think it's too bifurcated. I think it goes like this: when you reach the thing and then you go higher. What they call it, plateauing, and that you need to have those. You're promises, describing you an it But it then you need to be inspired to go on. It. You so.
0: and I mean, think about it. We we greet each other every time we see each other, and what do we say to each other? Why? Why? Because we, <laughs> we never have it. He's right like, <laughs> like you should have peace. You should have peace. You should have peace cuz we like we we wish it for one another cuz we get it. Like we're so it's so rare. Um but,
4: Shabbat,
6: but
0: like
4: the period of peace and tranquility. It should be so it's the
6: goal. Meditation. Is, Fridays you yes. 11:00 11. 15. 11, 15. We need it. For
0: Shabbat <laughs> as an experience of joy and pleasure and yinafashing, so re-selfifying. Aye,
6: aye, aye. Yes. <laughs> That's pretty close.
0: I think, though... Mm-hmm. That when I have moments, let's just say that I am peacefully hanging out with my daughter and my spouse and we are together and it is a Shabbos moment because it doesn't happen for me on Shabbos.
6: Um,
0: And it's a Shabbos kind of moment. I am also keenly aware of yearning for this to be more often for me to be like this. More for me to have more patience for me to see my child relax like that and me not all over her for something and so I, I think we're in a tradition that that allows that really allows for that longing and yearning to be cultivated, so that it isn't that I don't enjoy those moments and that sense of peace. I, I think our tradition also wants those Experiences to help move us to a place of, of of behaving in ways that encourage them more, and in more interactions with more people outside our home, outside let's say our our community, outside of our davening community. If we're doing in that kind of Shabbat, um, it's to ch- let's put it this way: the ratio was six to one, mm-hmm. right? Six days we're supposed to be. Doing one one out of seven, the ratio is six to one, we're supposed to do this kind of just marinating and like what Marilyn said, you know, that kind of having achieved this week, having achieved this whatever it is, um, and really taking that in, so that the other six days are different
6: right.
0: as a result, right? It isn't it isn't self contained. The experience of Shabbat is not self-contained. It's so that we go into the six days of, of being out there in the world in a way that's, that we are working to be better.
4: Because we've had a peaceful,
0: Because we've moments, had a tranquil moment, moment. And right, and the, that there's the both and of that. Experiencing the joy of that and the pleasure of that and, and longing for that to be more the case more often. So what would that mean for me? have to you know, what would I have to do to, to feel that more often? the fourth
1: commandment says, six days you shall do your work, and that is that clearly we have work to do. I think what they were arguing against here is the idea of some kind of permanent state of suspended animation <laughs> where'
0: is so hard though
1: you know at the to- on the Sports. top of a mountain where one is just meditating and together. With yeah. God in some kind of permanent suspended right. state—that's not the Jewish way. It's but it's right. the Jewish way to work six days and then have a day. It's no, you're up.
6: absolutely it's right. Refreshment, which take, yeah, you it. Deep, enables you to focus more clearly on a lot of
4: this than the other. mm mm-hmm. That's so. I think what Kurt said is exactly right. It also reinforces the theme of this reading—that you know, this too shall pass, or you know, don't get stuck. Or any variation on what's been said here.
6: It's so beautiful. Mm -hmm.
0: And it's it's a, for me, it's a deeply comforting teaching.
6: Yes. That we are
0: encouraged to be in touch with where we're not yet. Mm
6: -hmm. Yearning to be better.
0: Yearning to be better. Yearning and trusting that, that there's this amazing, dynamic parent who loves and trusts and and encourages you know come come closer and that means you're gonna have to pick that foot up and keeps it moving. right it means you're going to be balanced on one foot for a second and that is really scary. scary um and and the affirmation is you can do it don't give up don't give up you can do it you can and so and that's, that we're that called into doing that like, yeah
6: can you please just keep
0: saying that over and over and over? And I'm, I'm very aware. I mean it. This, yeah, this teaching is so is appropriate for yes. me right now that, that it's okay to feel like, oh my gosh, who am I That means
3: you're to writing. do you're it? Qualified. It means, okay, you're qualified,
0: right? Yeah. That, to just allow and to follow that and to yearn and to doubt and to have all of that going into this business. Great. So then, then it can, then it can be exciting, I guess that's what I'm saying, that, all the ways I'm not yet who the rabbi I'm going to be, right? That's so exciting that there's a rabbi I'm not yet. Yeah. And that, it, I think that that's what we're encouraged to do here is see that as an exciting, um, wonderful thing. I, I want to close with this uh, reading on page 42, where he says it uh, at this paragraph before, are we there yet? He's talking about Rabbi Jerome Molino, uh, who was getting ready to retire in his... So he says, a man of extraordinary depth and literacy. Well into his 80s, he was asked at a communal luncheon meeting, marking his retirement from teaching rabbinic students what he intended to do now. He rose to his feet and without hesitation, in all seriousness, replied, I intend to continue my preparation for the
6: rabbinate.
0: (laughs) (laughs) we all... uh, Continue with excitement and eagerness and yearning uh, and hope to grow uh, into our holy work.
4: We